Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, great to be with you families this morning. Um, this is our family service. We do this every fifth Sunday where we bring all the kids in and we just to celebrate as a family together. We value kids. We value families here. So excited to do that as you've seen it today. Um, if you're new with us, welcome. Thank you for being with us for the first time. Uh, if you are, um, there's a QR code in front of you or you can go to our welcome center after. We have a gift for you we want to bless you with. We often say this, if you're visiting us for the first time, give us three weeks. If New Vision is not a place that you could come and feel like this could be your home, we will help you find a church that fits what you're looking for. And so we just want to invite you to do that today. Hey, um, we're jumping out of the book of John. We've been studying the book in the Gospel of John, but we're going to jump out of that today. We're going to look into Proverbs, the 22nd chapter. So go to Proverbs 22. We're going to just look at, look at verse 6 this morning. going to expound on it uh, this morning as we talk about families. Guys, I, I'm, as I was studying this, there are some things I want to share with you that might... Um, stir your heart, and even get some emails today, back at me today. So I'm just prefacing it. You know when you go to movies and they have a, a parental advisory note? I'm giving a parental advisory note. So please don't, like, listen to what I have to say before you make judgments. Because a lot of times we want to run things that we hear by, by our experience, about what we've heard in the world, and not necessarily run it through what the Scripture says. So I want to challenge you what the Scripture says about parenting today because I believe it's going to help revolutionize your relationship with your children, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with those things. Amen? Amen. So this morning, my sermon title is called Training Day. Training Day, because this is our time where I'm going to train you today. Training Day. In, in the sports world, we have a training day, right? Uh, athletes will come into complexes. They'll come in, and their coaches are there, and they'll focus on conditioning. They're focused on their training. They're getting their bodies ready. They're getting their minds ready. Uh, they're specializing in certain uh, areas of their expertise. If you're a football player and you're a receiver, you'll be working with the receiver coaches. If you're a quarterback, you're working with quarterback coaches. If, if you're in, in basketball, if you're a big man, you're being trained as a big man. And there's days and these weeks that are there are for your purpose to help you get better at what you do and to get trained in what you do and to help you focus on what you do to be able to excel and be successful in, in what you do. And so that training day cannot be wasted. Don't forsake that training. They, 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 they use that and that's important to their success. Parents, do you realize that you are the coaches, you are the heads, you are the leaders in your families, and then for basically 18 years minimum, you are training and coaching your kids. That you're investing in them and you're developing them and, and you're finding out what they're all about and what their giftings are and what their talents are about, what their personalities are about, what their emotions. You're learning as much as you're growing about your kids. Your goal is to pour into your children the things of the Lord, pour into your children truth, and pour into your children the things they need to do so when they leave your home, they're going to walk with the Lord. They're going to walk in righteousness, goodness, and truth. That's your goal. But the scariest things about parents for us, at least for me and my wife, was would our kids grasp our faith that would become their faith and they would walk in the Lord when they leave our home? 
That's a scary thing. Can we pass on, can we have a succession plan to pour into our kids in such a way that when they leave our homes, that the world is not telling them how to live, but they know how they're called to live because they're walking by faith and not by sight. And so because of that, your role as parents are vital to the success of your children. Now, I'm not saying that children don't own their own faith. They're going to own their own faith. They're going to have to make their own decisions. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But the reality is this, you have, God has given you this stewardship of shepherding your children. And that's a big responsibility. And it's not without challenges. It's not without difficulty. You might walk away and say, I don't even know what to do in this situation. Or you might be frustrated, or maybe you didn't grow up in a home that was a Christian home, or maybe you didn't grow up with those things and you're learning it as you're going. You feel like you're, you're building a plane as you're flying it sometimes. But my challenge to you, Lord, as parents, Lord, look don't grow weary in do don't grow weary in doing good, but in due season you will reap a reward. I know it's a battle. And so we get into the 22nd chapter of Proverbs this morning. The author is Solomon, as we had uh, the young kids were sharing, right? And he, he's writing this book. It's a, it's a wisdom book, but it's a book for families. It's written to families. The, the, the first chapter is, is really about Solomon and pouring into his son and, and mom pouring into his son and, and all the writings about his wisdom, how to believe. I would challenge you every day because there's 31 Proverbs to read a proverb a day because it's, it's wisdom being poured into you about life. So we know that Solomon wrote three books. He wrote the Proverbs early on in his life, like the wisdom, right? And why did he write that? Because remember when the Lord came to Solomon, he was the third king. We had Saul, we had David, we had Solomon. Solomon became a third king. And the Lord came and said, Solomon, ask whatever you want and I will give it to you. And Solomon said, you know what I want, Lord? I want wisdom because I got to lead these people. And God was so blessed by what he requested. He goes, Solomon, because you asked for wisdom and you didn't ask for wealth, I'm going to give you wealth and wisdom. And he was the wealthiest king that we know because he asked for something that he needed in order to lead the people. And I'm actually to shepherd the people after to care for the people as a king. So he wrote the Proverbs in that, but we also know he wrote a song called Song of Solomon, right? A love song. For those who love those old oldies, for those who love the love songs, right? He wrote the Song of Solomon about relationship. And it gets very intimate about a husband and wife relationship. You could read that. But at the end of life, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which is really his journey to trying to, to understand as he began, even as a wise man, had walked away from the Lord a little bit and was trying to rediscover his faith. And Ecclesiastes is about his journey, about looking, going into the world and trying to find purpose and trying to find meaning. And he, his results, he came up with it. It's all vanity. Wisdom is really having the fear of the Lord and obeying his commands. That's what he, he summed it up at the end of his sermon because Ecclesiastes is just a long sermon that he's speaking and preaching about what he learned in his journey in life. In fact, we're going to study that. And after John, we're going to go into the book of Ecclesiastes and study his journey. And so that's why he's writing this book. This is, this is a book about talking about the difference between foolishness and wisdom. It's, it's Proverbs. And so before we get into it, I want to read the verse we're going to be studying today. Proverbs 22, starting verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a command, and then there's a promise. You see that in that verse. There's a lot in that verse. Sometimes you read one verse and say, wow, I just read it, and you could skim it over it. But we're going to break this. What does that mean to train up a child 
And what does it mean to hold on to that promise? Say, let's pray. Father in heaven, I just pray this morning as we just look into your word, and I just pour into a little bit of the families that are here, Lord, that they may receive your word uh, and be open to receive the truths of your word. And Lord, I pray you give us clarity. I pray you give us understanding. I pray that, God, you would speak into us. And I know there's, there's families that are here that come from different backgrounds and understandings. We have, we have mom and dad. We had single moms. We had grandmas raising kids. There's a lot of dynamics to what's happening in our families and culture today. But Father, you still given us the truth of your words to, to help us raise our kids to, to love you and to love others. And so I'm praying that your anointing would be on my words, Lord, that it would be made clear, and Lord, that it would be able to help them understand their responsibility as parents and even the kids' response to their responsibility. So we thank you, we praise you, we honor you in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm, I'm gonna really cover just two things today, but gonna expound them a little bit. Number one, it talks about, it says here about training up the kids, right? It says here, train up your child in the ways he should go. Our first challenge as parents and as leaders and is to train, to train up our kids. It's a simple command. You know, I'm not much of a gardener. I talked about my gardening experience, but what I do know in planting, it takes some care, it takes some time, it takes some patience, right? And in the same way, we are doing that with our kids. We're, we're shepherding, guarding the heart. We're, we're pouring to it into the heart. We're caring for the heart. We're being patient to pour things into their heart, right? Because in their heart, out of the heart, the Bible says, is the wellspring of life. Out of the heart is where we find life. That's why God said to love me with all your heart, right? But we know bad things could come from the heart too because Jesus spoke about that. But the reality is he wants to address the heart. Guys, when you begin to talk about parenting, first of all, it starts with addressing the kid's of the heart, but realizing that you are inputting as like a gardener the things they need to shepherd and to produce and to garden their heart. That's why Paul the apostle would write to the Corinthian church. He would say this, talking about the pastors, the roles I planted, that's Paul speaking, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. I want you to understand that, it's, that caring for kids is like gardening, right? You're planting a seed, that's the word. You're watering it by praying with the Holy Spirit. You're, you're pouring into it. Yet God in all that, as you're doing that, just like when you see a water, a garden, and you put a, a plant and you're taking care of it, it grows. And some we don't know how it grows, but it just naturally grows. Because as you're doing those things, God is supernaturally working out, making the increase in it. So I want you to understand there's a physical process to parenting, but there's also spiritual ramifications that are going on simultaneously. And so by faith, we're pouring in all the seeds, we're pouring in all the things they need that God can work within uh, the heart. And I, and I want you to understand that because it's a process. It's a process in your training and you're gonna have your good days and you're gonna have your bad days. You're gonna have your up days. You think, man, we got this down. Other times like, I don't even know where to go. So I, I sympathize with you guys. I've been married, I'll be 34 years. I've had four kids, they're all grown up, right? They're out of my house. In fact, I won't be here next week because I'm going to New York because my daughter's graduating from college. So um, it's my last one, it's my last one. I paid my last college bill off this last month. I'm thanking you, Jesus. You know what I mean? And so I'm going, we're going to see Cassie and celebrate her graduation uh, in New York where she's graduating from King's College out there. And so we're excited. But understand that in this process, guys, Julie and I didn't always get it right. In fact, we look back and say, ah, oh, we kind of probably should have did this differently. 
And so I don't want you to walk away here saying, I, I, I didn't do it right. I want you to walk away and say, okay, I got a little bit of tools to help me be a little better, right? Nobody's perfect. We're all kids that are broken, and we started in the garden with broken kids in the garden. So I want you to understand that, okay, as we get into it. So here's the, here's the thing as we talk about training up the Lord, uh, training up our kids in the Lord. First of all, you have to understand that training is a team sport. It's a team sport. And we're getting into a little bit first. Training starts with relationship. But the first relationship is not the kids. The first relationship is you and your husband. Or you with, with, in your relationships with the parenting relationship starts first with that, right? Mom and dad, you got to be on the same page, right? You can't be running different plans, right? I've been watching the Warrior game this week, right, with Sacramento. And if, if you have Steve Curry over here and you have Clay Thompson over here and they're running a play, but you're asking, okay, Curry, Curry, Steph, you go run this way and you don't, and then, you know, Clay, you go that way, but you're not on the same page. That play ain't going to work because a house divided will fall. Okay. So the reality of this is, first of all, parents, before you even start getting on your kids, you guys got to be on the same page. What we did, Julie and I, we didn't, we didn't come from a really strong Christian family. I didn't come from any, I didn't come from a Christian family and my wife, mom came to the faith later. So we didn't, we didn't know what a Christian family looked like. And so before we even had kids, we were married for five years. And what we took did, we took that time to study. We took that time to read books. We took that time to say, we got to be on the same page if we're going to do this. Because you know what? I don't want kids running over here to mom and say, hey, can I do this? And then mom says no. And then he runs over to dad. Oh, dad, can I? You know what I'm saying? They play each other. Kids will play you. Come on now. These kids are sly. Okay, we got to be on the same page, running the same plan, running the same game plan. And you got to be able to do that. And it's incorporating the husband and wife. That's why Proverbs 1.8 says, my son, hear the instructions of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. He's a team. It's a team game thing. Okay, now I understand that some of you might be single parents. Okay, I understand some of you might be grandparents and the structure is a little bit different here. But I'm gonna address that in a minute here as it relates to your role uh, in that because you might need a little help and assistance with that. But understand that this book is written to, to families, right? And you have to understand as parents, you are the authority figure in the family. You are the authority figure for your kids. And kids have to learn to submit to the parents, Right? They have to learn to sit under that authority. The, the challenge we have today is kids don't learn how to submit under your authority. They're not going to learn to submit under people's authority when they enter your home. Say so they're learning submission. They're learning respect. They're learning honor. As the little one said, what is required of parents? Honor your mother and father for this is right. And in doing so, you will have a long life, the scripture says. Right. It's talking, there's a warning here. Here's a command to honor. And here's the, here's the promise. You have a long life. I'm not talking about living 90 years old, but I'm talking about the quality of life as a kid. But the reality is they're learning submission. They're learning respect. They're learning honor in the home. That's where it's first taught. Look at much of the rebellion we see in kids today is the lack of respect of the authority. That's what we're seeing today. But that, the home that they came from maybe didn't, uh, didn't set up that structure. Maybe the, the home was fragmented. Maybe the home was broken. Maybe the parents were broken. Maybe they didn't have the tools in there to set up that authority, and they just let them go and do whatever they want. Parents, you are the main influence for your children. I want you to hear this. You are the main people that are pouring in and training your kids. The church, children's ministry, Awana's ministry, Youth group, 
Young adult group is a supplement, not the main thing. Okay? Like, I know parents, oh, I'm going to send my kids to youth group because the youth pastor is going to get them straight. No, no, no. I get you guys, luckily, for four hours a week, if I'm lucky. Two hours on a Sunday. Maybe you send your kids to youth group and they come here. Maybe that's four hours. But you get them more than I get them. And so you have a responsibility to pour in and train your kids because in training them, guys, they're getting the things of the Lord in your home. They're walking in their home. And so understand that our role is to, to come along like a supplement to empower you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, right? But you are the main spiritual caregiver of your kids. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say something. I might sh- shake some things up here. Yeah. I'm going to shake it. You heard it said, it takes a village to raise a child. Listen, that's a sociological model. That's not necessarily a biblical model. Because you know what? The village out there don't follow Jesus. The village out there don't obey the commands of God. The village out there ain't teaching my kids about loving Jesus. So I'm not going to send my sheep among wolves. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God's word gives me instruction on how to raise my kids. You know this school writer called Horace Mann? Right here, middle school, Horace Mann. Do a little study on Horace Mann. Horace Mann was an atheist. Horace Mann's sole purpose in the educational system was to take God out of school so kids could not have faith. And yet, that's the name of that school. That was his whole philosophy and purpose. Let me tell you, there's things being taught in our public school that are unbiblical. Right? There's things being taught. And I'm not going to send my kids and tell them, here it is. And the guys, and we're letting people speak in to their lives that are things that are not true. And that's what we're having today. We're having, we're giving our authority away to other people, the authority by which God has given us as parents. Don't give your authority away. And when you give your authority away, that means they're not going to respect you. Now, we also can't subcontract our kids either. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we send our kids to sports programs and creative programs and the arts and all these other things are going out there, right, that we do, extracurricular activities, theater, whatever, and we let those figures be in the place of us. Now, I'm not saying those things are bad. Okay, I'm not saying, I played football, I, my kids played things and thing, but we cannot replace those things for our position over our kids. Just, just be mindful of that. And sometimes we said, oh, I'll just let the coach do that. I'll just let this, this person go, right? We cannot neglect our responsibility as parents. Listen, we live in this digital age, okay? And now our kids get to go online, on their phones, on social media, on YouTube, all these things. And there's people speaking into your kids things about our culture, about how we're to believe, individualism, self-promotion, all these different things. And a lot of that stuff is not biblical, right? And then they begin to pour their identity in those very things. And they begin to create an identity that's a false identity. Not the identity that God has given them as childly children of God, but a false identity. And then what we do, we have kids that are depressed and anxiety and all these things because they don't meet up to the standards that are a lie anyways. And because of that, they fall in the trap of this lie, they believe the lie, and they rather believe the lies of men than the, than the truth of God. And who they are in their creation and what God created them to be and all those things. And so they're being poured in on this social media. They're being poured in all these false lies. Guys, we have to be careful. And we as parents have to say, you know what? I'm going to watch what my kids are watching. 
I'm going to dialogue about what's going on as they're in this digital age. Right? I got to be careful of their screen time, right? Those kids were hiding under blankets and, you know, Facebook. They'd be sliding down the bathroom thing. You're going to the bathroom. They're, they're doing their little thing, right? Sneaking and taking your phones and their phones. Guys, my challenge to you, I don't think even think your kids really need phones. Right? They don't need that. One of the things we challenge with, even our own thing, is like maybe we give our phones a little bit. I'm going to just be honest, too early to our kids. Right? Like, you know, we could connect to, guys, we grew up without cell phones. I grew up without cell phones. That comes to later. You guys, you, you know, the Gen Z group and the digital age group, millennials, you guys grew up in technology that we didn't grow up with. And so, like, you're like, a, like it's like addiction. You put your phone down, you start jonesing. <laughs> Right? You start, I got to get on my Instagram. Like, okay, you know what? That on your phone, it tells you how long you've had screen time? Did you tell you like, some of you guys are like 50 hours, like a day. You know what I mean? It's like, like, you're like, listen, be careful. Be careful. Like we spend more time on screen and FaceTime with that than we do FaceTime with Jesus. And so we're going to, we want to be careful with that. You know, as you're called to train your kids and take authority, the problem that's happened today, guys, is the kids have trained their parents. <laughs> that we haven't trained our kids, the kids are training our parents. They're taking this uh, authority away. And right? Sometimes kids are wearing the pants of the house instead of the parents wearing the pants of the house. Okay, all right? And we have, we have, uh, uh, we have given them an authority uh, and, and, they, and, and we struggle with it. Just, just watch what happens when you go into a supermarket and the kid wants something and you say no and then they throw a tantrum. And they're screaming, and they're crying, and they're yelling, and they're falling on the ground. And the parents don't know what to do. You know why? Because you feel ashamed in the market because, like, what am I going to do? I can't hit my kids here because they think they're thinking they've got CPS on me. Or you could do all these different things, right? And so you feel shame in this thing when the kid, you don't know what to do. And so and everybody's watching, and you're, you know, you're more concerned about whatever's watching. You know what? You might just have to take that kid, go out to the car, and have a sit-down with him. Right? You might have to stop what you're doing in that moment. And be consistent with these different things because the kids are, what are they doing is I'm going to throw this tantrum until you give me what you're going to give me. And so what we do is to stop that, we give them the very thing they want. What are we teaching them? If they throw a tantrum, they're going to get what they want to get. Woo! Instead of let them discipline and take them off to the side and, and begin to instruct them on the things of how they behave, right? Listen, listen. Kids, when they're young, are open to be shaped. They just don't know it. They're open to be shaped. You remember Paul writes young Timothy, as Paul's laying hands at that young pastor, he's, they, he writes and he says this, Timothy, I'm laying hands on you because your mama and your grandma poured into you. In fact, he writes in Timothy, he says this, but know this, that in the last days, uh, I'm sorry, first of all, I want you to understand that we live in perilous times. And an and example of that is in Timothy. But now this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Right? And we know that in, these, in this time, right, parents, there's, there's going to be a rebellion that takes place. But when Paul came to Timothy, he tells Timothy, Timothy, I remember when you're young, and we, your mom and your grandma poured into you, and we're laying hands on you now because they poured on you when you're young. Come on. And they invested. Grandmas, you have a role. Moms, you have a role. Now, those roles are different. 
from a grandma and a mother. Understand that. But we have influence in our kids. We have influence in our grandkids. Parents are the sole authority in the home. Grandparents, you have a role, but the parents are the sole authority. Understand that. There's, there's, a, there's an order to things in the scriptures. And so you have that. But you ever have that kid who's disrespecting his parents and rolls their eyes? Come on now. You might have been that kid. Roll your eyes. Come on. The Bible even has an answer for that. Look what it says here. Proverbs 30, 17. I want you to hear it. The eyes that mock a father and despises a mother, instructions will be plucked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Like, can you imagine that? Like, hey, you want to disrespect me? I'm going to send ravens to come eat your eyeballs out. Okay. So understand, kids, you want a mess? God has another plan. Okay. Do you know in the, the Old Testament, when a kid was disobedient to parents, they could take him to the elders, the heads of, the, of that community, and they could take him outside the city and they would stone him to death. Call CPS on that. Okay. Because there was a high standard given to authority, given to parents. There was a standard that was given that I think we walked away from and the standard by which we walked away from. So, so we parents have responsibility to have that authority. But why do we train? Because we train because we have depravity. We have a sin nature, right? Listen, little Susie has this angelic face, beautiful face. You see her walk to the church, but I'm going to tell you since she has a devilish heart. Come on. Oh, pastor, please. I can't say, I can't believe you said beautiful little smile. She goes home and acts like the devil. Why do I say that? Because we are born with a sin nature. We are born in depravity. The Bible says no one's good. We all fought a shard of the glory of God, it says Romans 3. But here it is. You're taking notes. Psalm 58, 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they're born, speaking lies. So it says even from the time they were born, there's this nature. We all have this fallen, sinful nature, Right? Watch your kids as they grow up. They're going to fight over the toys, right? They're going to scream when they want something, right? They're going to say, it's mine. They're all about self-centeredness. They're going to say, no, right? Did you train them up to do all those things? It's in their nature. It's who they are. It's called depravity. It's called sin nature. And all our kids have a sin nature. They're rebellious by nature, just like we were. Just like we were. Understand the nature of who we are, right? The heart is desperately wicked. Who knows it? It says in Jeremiah, right? Um, you know, we are hearing that our environment is what contributes to how we live, whether uh, good and bad. Like maybe you grew up in a rougher neighborhood. Maybe you grew up in a broken home or maybe whatever it is. And so there's some environment. And I, and I agree there are some influences to how we grew up and how we see things and woundedness in our hearts and things in our heart. But the reality was Adam and Eve grew up in a perfect environment in the presence of God by the commands of God. He said, you could have, he said, Dan, you could have everything you want in the garden. Just do not partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you partake, you will surely die. What's our nature then? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted. I'm cautious. What, what if I eat this tree? Now, they didn't think that until the serpent came. They said, you know, did, what did God really say? Right? In the garden. Even Eve added to the words there. Well, God said, do not eat or partake or even touch it. She changed the word even there, or we will 
die. And then the serpent says, would, would you really die? Is God, was that metaphorical? God, you aren't really going to die, right? The enemy will begin to speak lies to who we are. Our culture speaks lies to our, no, we're, we're basically good people, right? I just read an article last night about a guy who was shooting an a or AR-15 gun. Little family was in a home. He was shooting off at 12 o'clock at night. Just pop out. So the guy went out there and said, can you please not shoot your gun off? My kids are trying to sleep. He goes back into the house. This guy comes with the AR-57, came in and shoots up the whole family. Kills five, 10 people at home, five of them were killed. Yama was an eight-year-old boy. The rest were 20, 21, 23 in that home. He still hasn't been caught. They're, they're chasing him. Listen, we live in a broken, rebellious world. Come on. Right? We want to be good, but the Bible says no one's good but God. Right? We take on trait like God because God is in us, but we're not perfect. We have our moments. We have our times where we... We, uh, even as parents, disrespect our spouse. We have times where we've done things that are honorable. Kids have, have done those very things, right? But even Adam and Eve in the garden had a perfect garden. They were God's children, and they fell. Did that make God a bad parent? <laughs> they still have kids to have responsibility for their actions. They're going to still have responsibility for their actions, right? But what Paul, what Solomon is trying to get across here, he's talking about foolishness of a kid. In fact, Proverbs 22, 15 says this. Um, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. We, we kind of talked about foolishness. We are like about the difference between wisdom and fools. Foolishness and wisdom. Like, your kids are going to be kids. They're going to run around the house, and they're going to spill things, and they're going to make a mess, and they might even write on the wall with a crayon. Or They're, they're going to just be kids. And, and guys, let kids be kids. Okay? Let them be kids. What foolishness is is that, say my son's running around, he's just being a kid, and he's throwing the ball around my house, inside my house. I'm going to say, Ryan, hey, don't throw the ball inside the house because you throw the ball inside the house, you're going to break something. Okay, he didn't know that before. He didn't know the rules. He didn't know the commands, and so he's just being a kid, right? But now I've laid down some laws. I laid down some commands for him. Five minutes later, what is he doing? He's throwing the ball around the house. Ryan, now you violated. A fool is one who knows what is right and doesn't do it. That's foolishness. You give them explanation. You've taught your kids certain things that are right, they should do, and they know what is right. When they don't do it, that's foolishness. Come on, come on. And, and so he's saying foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Foolishness is disobedience. Disobedience is knowing what is right and not doing it. Right? It has to do with some moral issues, moral evaluation. Okay. He's saying here, if we allow the kids and we don't train them, they're going to become foolish kids. So here's a, here's a, here's a, a, a thing I often hear about parents with kids. You know, do you, you take them to church? What do you do? Well, I let them figure out it themselves. I let them figure out faith. I let them decide when they're young what they want. Right. It's the idea, you know, I'm basically going to let the kids raise themselves, is what they're saying, right? I, I will let them choose what they want. We live in a culture that's teaching this, right? Proverbs 29, 15 says this, the rod and rebuke gives wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. The New Living Translation says this, to discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by the undisciplined child. 
You know what it's saying is? Children are juvenile delinquents at birth. Uh, by birth, right? They, they, if they don't have training and teaching and instruction from us, they are going to self-destruct. Come on, come on. You can't leave a kid to himself. And parents, we've, some parents have tapped out and left the kids to raise themselves. And because of that, they have not poured into them. Now, I want you to understand part of the training here, we're getting into it, it has to be relational, okay? It has to be relational. So here's another training. We're training for development. We're training for conversion. We're training for relationship, okay, for relationship. Guys, the first thing about training is that you have to build relationships with your children. Must build relationships with your kid. You know what, how you do that? You spend time with them. You do things with them. You, you learn what they value in the sense of their giftedness or their talents or their abilities, and you help pour into them, and you invest in them by that. You, you walk with, you do all these different things with them. The number one first thing to do to be healthy trainers is to build relationships, because in building relationships, you build trust. You build trust. You got to start building trust with your kids, right? And yet God has given us that right and authority to have that relationship, to have that relationship to build trust. It says we are to call them to trust in the Lord, to train them in the Lord. Now, we have to be careful we're just not lawgivers, all right? We have to be careful we're just not lawgivers. We want to have this loving relationship with the kid. We want to have the intimacy. And so I believe every kid um, has this private thing in their lives, Okay, they're this, this private world, I call it. And that private world is in them. And parents, every once in a while, they're going to open up their private world to you. They're going to come to you whether you're driving in a car, whether you're walking somewhere, you're just buying, whatever it might be a moment, they're going to open up something personal about them. And it's going to be very vulnerable. Parents, I want you to hear this. Don't start giving them the Ten Commandments. Don't say, oh, let me tell you what you need to do. No, 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 no. Sometimes parents, we first just have to listen. Just listen. Let them pour themselves out. You might disagree. You might even be fine. You want a relationship with your kids to be able to speak it to them. You got to let them pour out their hearts a little bit so they can trust you knowing that if I do this, is this a safe place to do this? Because if you shut them down, they won't come back to you. They're going to go to their homie. They're going to go to their boyfriend. They're going to go to their girlfriends who are foolish in their own thing. If you're not opening up and saying, I'm just going to listen first. I'm just going to listen. Let them share their hearts. Let them share. Let them dump. And it might be all wacky. Trust me. Okay. It just might be wacky. That's okay. Because they have to feel safe. They have to have a safe place to come. If you can do that with your kids and build off of that, they will keep coming back to you. And then you'll have deeper conversations. I have that with my kids all the time. They'll, they'll call me up and say, Dad, I'm going to go. And I'll, I'll have conversations with them because they know they could come to Julie and I, and it's a safe place for them to come share their hearts. Amen. Right? You want them to honor you, honor your mother and father? Is it a safe place? And give them a reason to honor you. Give them, give, them, give them a reason why they want to respect you, right? Give them a reason for those very uh, things here. In fact, 
The word to train up in the Hebrew means to, to dedicate or devote. We're, we're devoting our kids to the Lord. We're training them in the Lord so they be do- devoted to the Lord. But I say we're not by rules and regulations, right? In Ephesians 6, 4, it says fathers, and it could be mothers too, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The training, an admonition, okay? Do not provoke your children to wrath. You're not poking, you know, I remember mean, watching the, the Lakers game and the Grizzlies game and in, uh, in, uh, one of the guys from uh, the Grizzlies made fun of LeBron James. And he said, uh, you can't play anymore because you're just too old, is what he said. LeBron James has been in the league 20 years. Like, he's like the Michael Jordan of our day, right? And, and so like, oh, snap, you just poked the bear. He goes, I won't respect them until they score 40 points on me. The next game, he had 20 rebounds and 20-something points. He had his 40, right? He, he, by his own voice, provoked LeBron and that upped his game, right? Listen, parents. We want to build a relationship, but we're not provoking our kids to anger. We're not provoking them to be able to draw them and get mad. That's not what we're trying to do. We're training them in the admonition of the Lord or the teachings of God and the way to live and instructing them. In fact, the word there in the New Testament train means to nurture or cultivate the mind and morals of our children. I want you to hear that. Training here means to cultivate or nurture the mind and morals of our children, right? There's a difference between training and teaching. A teacher tells you what to do. Training shows you how to do it. There's a difference. Parents, we're not only teaching them what they're to do, but we got to take time to show them how to do. Okay? I just want to say, be, go be a good, be a good boy. But we haven't taught them how to be a good boy. Right? I, I get frustrated with coaches when they're watching kids and they come back off the field when they're yelling at them because they made a mistake. And they say what? Man, you, you messed up, man. You got to go out there and, and play harder and, and put your whole heart into it. What are you doing? All he did was yell at this kid and just shaming him, right? He just told him things, but he didn't tell him how to be better. And the kid is giving all his heart and he is trying to do his best and he's trying to do that. And some of our parent, parents, our kids are trying to do that and you're kind of getting frustrated and mad at them and you're kind of saying, come on, get it together when you haven't told them how to get it together. We have to teach them how to get it together. We have to do this. Instead of yelling at the man who missed the block, you bring him back in and say, hey, okay, take this angle, be on this part of the field, put your body in this way. Now I teach him how to be a better player. We teach our kids how to walk with God. We instruct them on how to do those types of things, right? You teach them in the way that they should go, right? Now, every kid is different, right? Different personalities. So the parenting is not a cookie cutter process. Each child is created differently. Personalities are different. The way they see things are different. And so you guys got to be sensitive and know your kids. You got to even kind of dissect the personality of your children because everyone is different. Some of my girls, I, I get mad in a moment and they start crying. <gasps> I don't do anything. They're all, I'm sorry. Help me, Jesus. You know what I mean? Other one of my kids were like, man, I was spanking them all the time. You know what I mean? But the different personalities and how we can address this. So I'm not saying that this parenting and training thing is a cookie cutter thing, but how we handle the truth and correction is very, very important. It's very, very important. And so there's a balance between grace and truth. There's a balance in that on how we handle our children, right? Okay. I think what we need to understand is parents, 
Maybe you need to take some classes on how to do that. Maybe you haven't learned that. Maybe you need to take some parent biblical classes on training, right? Because what, how you're living your life as parents, your kids are watching, and when they get married, they're going to imitate that. Okay, they're going to model that. You are their model in this parenting process. So you have to model faith. Um, and don't, don't ask your kids to obey, and then you don't obey God yourself. Don't ask your kids to go to youth group, but then you don't even go to your own studies. And you don't even go to church. You know, more is caught than taught. Don't say to do as I say and not as I do. That's pharisaical. That's hypocrisy, right? You're teaching them to do something that you're not even practicing yourself. So be careful of that, right? You need to be modeling faith as parents so your kids are watching what faith looks like, what parenting looks like. Proverbs 27 says, Proverbs chapter 20 verse says, the godly walk in integrity, blessed are their children who follow them. <laughs> so your model of faith and your walking, your kids are watching, and they're going to follow your lead. They're going to follow your example. Now, I keep challenging you that training is relational. Deuteronomy 6.5 gives us this idea. It's called the Shema. It's talking about the Lord is one, but he gives this command. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today will be in your heart. You shall teach them what? Teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. I hope you're catching this. Parenting is a 24-7 job. And the most times you're going to teach is maybe on that ride to the grocery store or when you're walking the neighbor, walking the dog. That's when your greatest parenting time is. That's when you're going to be teaching. And like, you know, like, hey, what are they watching on TV? And you ask questions like, what is this show saying about their belief system? What, is, what, are they, what, are, what are they communicating in this show? And how does that connect with what is truth of God's word? See, see, what, what, see, challenge, have conversations, even though they might be watching them, you might disagree with, and they're why you're, hey, let's talk about this. Take it as a teaching time, right? My, my first, see, he's already saying amen. Okay, so, so listen, listen, I want you to understand something. Guys, we're so eager to punish and to slam instead of train and teach and take those teaching moments at that moment and say, let's draw this in. Let's have a conversation about this show, about what it's all about. And let's have conversations with a kid. And I, my goal isn't to punish my kids. My goal is to train my kids and go after their hearts. And so I take every moment to do that. When we drive in cars, we're on vacations, whatever it is, you're having those conversations. That's why it's so relational. Our teaching and training is so relational with our kids, right? And so it's all-day practice. Our faith practice isn't just found on Sunday mornings. So here it is, Discipline. Everybody asks about discipline. They're always asking about discipline. There's a discipline process, right? You know, kids in our culture don't fear their parents. And they don't fear God. They don't fear authority anymore, right? And they'll talk about, they'll talk to their parents with disrespectful ways, right? And so what it, when we talk about discipline, what is the goal of our discipline, right? It's to train them, Right? And the goal isn't even really about modifying their behavior. It's not about my, my goal of punishment and discipline isn't about, okay, I want to change your behavior. No, I want to change your heart. Because if I change your heart, I will change the behavior. We're all about what we look like on the outside. What did, what did 
the Lord say about David, you know, man judges the outside, but I judge the heart, right? I, I, when a kid is small and he's in that early years, you can probably raise him. Benjamin's a little boy right here, right? And you have Benjamin and you have control. He's, he's like cuddling up next to mom. He's near mom. You have him in a car seat. And then when he's about two years old and he stands up in the back seat, and he's doing like this, <laughs> right? And you're saying, Benjamin, get in your seat. <laughs> Benjamin, get, you know, there's disobedience because he didn't obey right away. He's jumping up there. And then you, you can get him when he's that age and you put him in here, lock him in the get in there. What do you think you're doing? Putting him in, right? And Benjamin like, mom, I'm sitting down right now, but inside I'm still standing up. Well, I didn't get his heart. I just got his behavior. And I, when, I'm, when, when, when he's young like that, I can do that. Do that when he's 17. You ain't gonna control him when he's 17. You ain't strapping him in when he's 17 because you haven't got the heart. You got the behavior, but he's not correct. Listen, listen, the law will only breed rebellion. Relationship is being transformation of hearts. And so you have to understand that, right? So how, you know, I often talk about the funnel. You've heard me say this, but I want to say it again. Think about a funnel upside down. You have a funnel upside down. It goes like this. Narrow up here, here. Guys, because our kids are so vulnerable and developed when they're young, they're, they're moldable. They're not fighting, that's the time where actually you're going to be the strictest with them. You're going to set guidelines. You're going to be able to lay it so as they get older, you're teaching them as they get broader. What we do is we flip it upside down and made it wide and go narrow. That's the problem, right? When they're younger, what do kids do when they go to people's house? They're all over things, right? Touching things. And that's right. What do we do? We got to get cupboard locks. We got to put covers on our electric things. We're, we're incarcerating our kids when they're young because they can't touch anything. But if I teach them, and they can teach them, don't touch those things. Only here. You can do that. I did it with my kids. I, self, I taught them self-control. And as they got older, I gave them more freedoms as they got age appropriate. But if you flip the funnel, you say, oh, let the kids do whatever they want. Oh, let them run around the house. And they're knocking things over. Oh, they're just being children. They're being, dis they're being foolish. But what you find is they get older well, I get to do whatever I want to do. And then you say, oh, you can't do that now. Stop that. That's bad. You're trying, now you're trying to clamp down on them. Just flip it. Start tight here and give them age-appropriate responsibilities. And it's, it's nicer to say more yes than it is to say no. As you're laying that out right, Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your children while there is hope. When is there hope? When they're young and they're moldable and you're pouring into them and you're building a relationship. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives, it says. You will ruin their lives, okay? You have this compliant child that you're working and molding. Now, discipline is physical and verbal. Now, here's where I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna step on some toes, okay? Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and the rebuke give wisdom, but the child left to himself brings shame to his mother. The rod and the rebuke. So first key to process is relationship. Guys, you gotta build relationship. The second might need to be a rod. Might need to be a spanking. Oh, pastor, no. We can't. We're not about, you know, I can't beat the children now. We can't. You're like, I'm not talking about beating your kids. I'm not talking child abuse here. I'm talking about, listen, I don't know about you, but my dad took the belt to me. I right. right? The, the belts of education, right? I, I knew that. And guys, we're afraid to understand. And the reason why we're afraid of that, we think we're hurting the kids. We are not hurting the kids. Now, I'm not saying that you're backslapping your kid. I'm not saying that you're doing, I'm not saying you're disciplining out of anger. If you get angry, that's not the time to discipline. You, you step away from that. The rebuke is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a chastisement. God says he chastises those he loves. 
Hebrews talks about that. He will put some hurt to you in order to get you in line. If God is willing to chastise, right? God sacrificed his son through capital punishment to save us through the cross. That was painful, but it's pain for the moment, but brings a fruit of righteousness later. Guys, a little spanking on the bottom will bring a fruit of righteousness later. The problem we have today in our culture is that kids don't feel the sting of their mess. Oh, we just slapping a hoe. Go free here. Do some community service. You just rob somebody in their house. Go do some community service. Be a good, be a good citizen. No. Spank that kid's butt. Now you're looking at me, Pastor, saying, look at, look at, listen, listen. It talks about the rod and rebuke. The rod is is a a spanking, and and it has to leave a sting, right? Because it says in Proverbs 22, 15, foolish is bound the heart of child, and the rod correction will drive it far from him. Okay? So the question is though, when do you do that? And how do you do that? Right? It's when the kids are being foolish. I'm not saying when a kid's out of the womb, you're spanking them. Don't get what I'm saying. When they can understand their defiance, when their foolishness, that's when you start implementing, right? When they're, not when they're just being kids, but when they're being foolish. And listen, Rod is not the magical wand. Rod is, Rod's not going to change them yet. It's the discipline. But the Rod will show the seriousness of their sin. Okay, the Rod will do that. Okay, and here, right, right. I'm not saying that timeouts aren't appropriate. There are times you're going to need to sit your kid out. Hey, you ever see a kid starting to get rambunctious a little bit? I'm going to say, Johnny, I need you to just sit down a little bit and think about what you're going to do. There are times that we do that. And we'll have to sit down. We're catching that moment and say, think about where you're going with this, right? But even in the scriptures, God says, I got a place on how to spank. Look at Proverbs 10, 13 for you all taking notes. But a rod is for the back of him who is devoid, devoid of understanding. Now, the word back means bottom in the Hebrew. Not the back here, but the bottom. God has given us a little padded area for a reason. Right? He gave it that. He created that. Look up, look up, look up these things, the rod. Look up the word rod in the Proverbs. It comes up a couple times in Proverbs. A couple of them has to do with spanking. On the bottom, a good little boom, a good little sting will draw their attention, right? So the rod might be needed. His rod and his staff, they what? They comfort me. Look at the word rod and how it's used in the scriptures. The rod and the staff, right? They might not like it. Do you notice the, um, they're acting crazy, crazy, but soon, and guys, you ask a kid to do something, doesn't let you, okay, I'm going to count to 10, right? Now you're becoming a repeating parent. They're not taking it serious. They don't come serious until you bring that rod out into the bedroom. Now they're ready to cry. Please, I won't do it no more. I won't do it no more. They seem so repentant, right? But it wouldn't happen until you brought that rod out. Before the rod, they're like messing with you, not obeying you, not doing any of that type of stuff. But as soon as you bring that thing out, all of a sudden it changes their heart and their mind real quick. All right? So the rod is only one. Then you have, so you have relationship, you have the rod, but then you have rebuke. Rebuke is really our training. Rebuke is where we give moral instruction. Rebuke is where we begin to say, this is why you're getting spanked. This is why we're dealing with the issues, right? It, it, it's, you're, you're, you're being pouring some, the values of, the, of God's word into them, right? It's a reprimand. You're saying, we got to correct this, right? Right? And you're beginning to teach them about that you're not only violated your parents or violated somebody, you also violate your relationship with God. We'll get into that in a moment, right? And so the rod will not change the heart but the word does, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. 
The word is like a double-edged sword, cutting to the bones and marrows and knows the intentions of the heart. The word is what begins to pour the values and the things into us to understand authority, to understand the seriousness of God and the holiness of God and the respect of the word and giving them reasons of why they're doing what they're doing and how they need to walk with God and honor them. So there's an instruction as parents that you need to sit down and begin to instruct your kids on those things. Where are you moving to? Relationship, to the rod, to, to rebuke, your training, what? To restoration and reconciliation. If there's a violation and sin that happened, you violate two relationships, not one. You violate your relationship with God and you violate your relationship with one another, whoever that is. And so you have to get both right. Your relationship with God needs to be made right and your relationship with each other needs to be right. And there's a reconciliation process that takes place. My son is act rebellious and I have to spank him and there's a, there's a process, a conversation that happens to, to lead to that. I don't just jump to that. But if I have to do that and then I'll, I'll say, Ryan, understand that this happened because you were disobedient. This is how you were disobedient. I explained the situation. The consequences may be this. It may be, it may not be, but you go there. But now you need to go, if you've been disrespecting your mom, you need to go ask for forgiveness for your mother. And you need to ask for forgiveness to God. God, please forgive me because I was disrespectful to mom. Because the Bible says we have to be reconciled to here in order to be reconciled to here. And then I go to mom and I said, Lord, mom, can you please forgive me for running my mouth to you, not saying kind words to you when I know I was disrespectful and then teaching him to do that. Because what is he doing? He's learning reconciliation. Let me tell you something. When you punish and discipline your kids, what do you do? Go to your room. Oh, perfect place for them. Oh, I got all my computers. I got my games. I got my books. I got my, oh, yeah, cool. But when you go to the table that night to eat dinner, if you even do that anymore, the tension in the room is thick. Why? Because you haven't restored and reconciled the relationship with God and with each other. But once you restore and reconcile that, the Bible says, right, you forgive one another. Once it's forgiven, it's done. Just like when we say, if we faithful to confess our sins, he's faithful to just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, it's done. When we ask for forgiveness of God, it's done. He doesn't keep a record of it anymore. When we come and reconcile, it's done. In our family, once we reconcile, it's done. We don't bring it up. We can sit at the table and laugh and crack jokes and do all, because it's over with. We're coming to, the, that's why God said we reconcile with him. That's why he doesn't put us to shame because we've been made right with him and we were rebellious against him, right? There's a reconciliation with God in first. So I want to close with this because I'm running here. Trust in the training. Trust the training, Proverbs 22, 6. And when he is old, he will not depart. I just touched the first point. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna make it quick here because I'm just gonna, right? Guys, when you pour in, I said there's a reward. Don't go weary and do it with due season, you're gonna reap a reward, right? Guys, we just had a lot, a lot of rain. Do you notice that? But with a lot, a lot of rain came all these beautiful flowers. Why? Because the seed was in the ground, but the seed was really, really deep. And when the rain came, it saturated the ground so much, it started to germinate the deep seeds in the ground. And out of that, and that seed's been there a long time. It's been there a long, long time. Just the water hadn't tapped it yet. But as soon as that water tapped, boom, you saw beautiful flowers and green everywhere and all these different things. Guys, when you're doing this training and your kid gets older and you put that seed in, right, you, your prayer is germinating that water. Okay, you're, 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 putting, you're pouring it in, right? So the process here, guys, is that your input will have... A, will have an output, will affect our, the output, right? We know that God's word will not come back void. 
That's a promise, he says. We just keep pouring it in, right? So you start with this compliant child, all of us, just the process of, of obedience is we have, a, you know, these young kids, your kind are being shaped, they're being formed. You are the major caregiver of their lives early on. You're laying down the law, right? You're teaching them those things, right? And what about that non-compliant, strong-willed child? We have those, right? That just are just, everything you tried, you're just pulling out your hair, right? This non-compliant child, right? In that, you need to be just consistent. Just keep being consistent with him. Keep doing the consistent. We're just trusting Lord in that, right? And, and God will work that all out because it's good. But I'm not saying it's not without his trials. It's not without his difficulties, right? That will, you want to, you, you want to shape that kid's heart. You want to break him. You want to rearrange. It's like a wild horse, right? You, you want to be able to shape in a way that it becomes useful. You want to break it, but redirect it. And allow it to be used for God's goodness and God's glory. I always say the most troubled kids are going to invest with the kingdom when they get saved. Because they they're not ashamed. They're not afraid. God's going to use them mightily. Right? Right? Look, look up Jephthah. Jephthah in the book of Judges. Go home. Here's your homework. I always give you Jephthah. Book of Judges. Right? He, I call him the OG and the OT. He was a gangster kid. Right? Go look it up. He caused trouble on the streets. And then the people of God said, hey, we need that trouble. We need that gangster kid to come help us defeat the enemies of Israel. And they brought him in and they, he, he threw down for God's people. Like he was throwing down for unrighteousness, but then called, God called him and he started doing throwing down for righteousness sake. All right. So don't underestimate that strong-willed child where God wants to use him in the future. You just got to be consistent and persevering with him. All right. Those people are, the kids become curious in your training, Right. Feed their adolescents. The adolescents, guys, when you get kids getting junior high and high school, they ask a lot of questions. They're, they're going to ask you a lot of questions. If you're not studying the word, how are you going to answer those questions? Right? So they're going to be open to discussion, right? You're building relationships. You're dealing developments. They're, they're going to, why did God do this? And why is this? And why is there suffering? And why is there these? And this is the, guys, you've got to be able to process with your kids, right? Because you're leading to, to a place of conversion. You're leading to a place where they can come to know God and come to walk with Jesus, there. But I want to just close with this with prodigals. Because some of you guys, some of your parents, you have kids now that are older that aren't walking with the Lord. Right? And it's troubled you. You felt guilt. You felt, God, I thought I did everything and I poured them in and I, we went to church and we, we, I taught in the Bible and they went to Awanas and they went to youth group and they went to all these things. And now they're just wild, crazy kids out there. Just have, God's not even on their mind anymore. Does it remind you of you, first of all? Like how many of you walked away and then came back, right? So remember I talked about we plant some water. God, God will bring, listen, your kids have the word. Now you pray for them. You pray, you don't complain, you pray. And you persevere and your patience. Just like the prodigal story and the prodigal son, the father was always on the porch waiting to see one day, see his son. And he was, I imagine he's praying. I imagine he's just trusting. He's just calling out to God. He's saying, God, you got this. I'm trusting you. I'm giving my son over to you. And I'm going to trust you're going to work it out. And then you start praying for other people to come in their lives, right? God, I don't know what you need to do, but bring other people in their lives to remind them about their faith. God, put circumstances in their life to remind them about their faith. God, do all these things to remind them about their faith. When that prodigal son came down, man, they had a party in that house, right? And you might have people to say, well, like the older brother got mad. Dad, I've been with you this whole time, and now the brother comes, and he squandered all your money, and you're throwing a party and having carnitas and giving him nice clothes and all these different things, and I've been here the whole time. I go, son, you had everything that he has you've had here. Don't be mad. 
He was lost, but now he's found. Guys, when they come back, don't start throwing all this stuff up in their face. Celebrate their back. Because that's the beginning of moving forward. Amen? So I, I close with this, guys, in parenting, and then we're going to have a communion. Training begins, parents, with, with your own walk with God, with your God, right? And, and, and training includes discipline. It, it talks about relationships. It talks about the rod. It talks about rebuke. It talks about restoration and reconciliation. That's part of the training. And lastly, guys, training, your training will be rewarded. Your training, be patient. That reward comes. Doesn't seem it like now. Doesn't seem like it might be hard. But I want to encourage you, be consistent with your children. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. And I just pray for your parents today, Lord. They have a tough job sometimes in the culture that we live in that is trying to upsert the authority of the parents. Our culture is taking away their authority and kids can't, kids could get things the parents could not know about, Lord. They're, and, and I just pray, Lord, I'm troubled by that, Lord, that we want to build healthy relationships with our kids so that we have communication with our kids. And, and we pray that we could be authentic with our kids, even in our own brokenness that we'd even ask forgiveness from them for the things that we've done or maybe harmed them or hurt them and they couldn't trust us. But Father, we trust that when we walk by faith and not by sight, Father, there's a great reward that will come. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.